We're hitting the tasting. We're hitting the tasting, right? Tasting is very important. Thing. Yeah, very important. The thing I know most about wine is, <laughs> is the tasting. another episode of Friends of the Vine Wine Podcast. So, episode 64. Welcome back. It's been a while. Happy New Year. Just want to give a quick shout out to my man Lawrence Francis. Lawrence is in London, and as you guys know, he runs a podcast out there called Interpreting Wine. Just want to give him a shout out because he's always pumping out great content week after week. And I know it's been a while since we've uh, we've had a, a show, uh, but um, if you're looking for a little a little more um, weekly content, check out his show. But anyway, episode 64 it is with Chuck Nix. Chuck is a sommelier based out of Mississippi. And uh, he is um, working for a restaurant, an Italian restaurant called Bravo down in Jackson, Mississippi. So uh, Chuck's got his um, CSW, his uh, Certified Specialist of Wine from the Society of Wine Educators. Great chat, so much fun. He's actually, I actually started chatting with him because of his connection with my friend Bobby Burgess, who was another uh, psalm down in, in Mississippi. And um, we get into a bunch of topics, the wine scene down there, uh, the wine culture in, in, down in the south. We get into a few, uh, a few topics like the uh, underrepresentation of women and minorities and people of color in the wine industry. One of the things he's doing most recently, Chuck uh, started this um, Southern Sommelier Collective, which is basically trying to get um, you know education and trying to get uh, basically scholarships for people who can't afford it and can want to get into industry and want to get in and become get into the hospitality industry in general not just necessarily wine but just get into hospitality and a lot of the you know trying to break that stigma of, of marginalization in the south right and trying to get into ho- hospitality and trying to get into Making something, you know, making something uh, of themselves, right, and and get uh, get somewhere in life, right. So, so good on him for that. And uh, we talk about that a little bit, and you know, the opportunities that that could present to people. So he just actually just recently started started this. I will uh, put a link in the liner notes of the podcast. Let's get right into it, though. Chuck and I sat down just a couple of days ago. Actually, he was starting his inventory for the start of the new year. A lot of the Psalms and a lot of the people in the uh, hospitality world uh, have to uh, always take care of those kind of things, inventory and making sure they have enough stock and stuff. So uh, we caught up and yeah, let's uh, let's get right into it. Getting uh, beginning of the year or end of year inventory, if you will, getting ready for the next year because our first day open for this year will be tomorrow. Nice, yeah. yeah. The, for us, it's um, for most people. They got Monday off, right? So yeah, same same up here. How you doing, man? How's your New Year's? Good. Yeah, it was good. We had a uh, we had a few people over. We've got uh, we've got some limitations in place right now, so uh, 
we're basically allowed 10 people in the household. We kept pretty close to that with, uh, with COVID and stuff, right? We had a few, few of our close neighbors over and a few of our close friends over. So that was good. Good time. Popped a few corks Very for cool. sure. Nice. Nice. It's the way to do it. You pop anything fun? What'd you open up? Just a couple champagnes, uh, a Prosecco, and then some local, some local um, Okanagan-based. I like to pull out some of the good stuff from time to time, and uh, so we kind of crack, cracked a few of the ones I've been sitting on for a while. So local, local Okanagan Pinot, and um, uh, what was the other one? Um, there was another Okanagan White that we opened because we we did all sorts of appies and stuff, right? And um, charcuterie and different different things, right? That sounds dope. We, I opened up a, um, I never had this before. I opened up a sparkling Norello Mascalese oh. from Murgo. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I, like I walked into this shop, which normally does not have really awesome bottles. And you know, you find these, you know, kind of really rare finds just sitting on the shelf. And I looked around and I was like, yeah, they got a full case. Nobody even knows. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, let me get, let me get one or two of these and took that home and me and the missus had a good time. Nice. So you're real easy. Nice. I've told people a few times in, in, in the podcast I've done, but there's a wine club I belong to that you can basically get wines from all over the world. And so you get them by the case and it's, it's, it's stuff you can't find locally, right? You can never, you can never source it out locally. So I always find some great, some great stuff. Uh, and every month basically is a different, a different region of the world. So I have a few Norella Mascalese's in, in my cellar, but not, not of the sparkling variety. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, it was, it was very cool, man. Lots of lemon. It was really awesome. Yeah. So nice. nice. So let's talk about, let's talk about, we got a few things we can talk about. We got so many topics we can talk about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. How long ago did you get your CSW? So I got my CSW, um, and, and I hate to say it the way I'm saying it, but I got it in between. I got it because I needed to certify for a year. And I reason I say I hate to say it that way because it makes it seem like I just did something to pass the time. <laughs> but it really wasn't it because I was on the quartermaster sommelier's path. COVID hits and in-person programming was down. So I was going through a year where I didn't have a certification that I could get with the court. So I was like, I got to certify somewhere just to keep myself fresh and to stay, you know, relevant and up on my studies. And Society of Wine Educators was offering um, some scholarships to wine professionals that had been affected by COVID, as most of us in the business had been. And we took advantage of a handful of us down here in the South. And I did it. I'll, I'll tell you, man, it's not easy. <laughs> it's not an easy exam. And I think people may be don't take it as seriously as some of the other institutional exams. But as far as theory goes, that's a, that's an ass kicker, no doubt. You've got some good content on your Instagram. I always love following your stuff because you always seem to have some fun stuff going on. Thanks, man. <laughs> uh, you know, I do not do much of it. My wife is really the person behind a lot of that. I take pictures, but I'm horrible at it. She's much better at it than I am. And she's at every event that I do and everywhere we go, we try to make them family experiences, especially if it's dealing with wine because she loves it as much as I do. So she's involved with it and she keeps me relevant, man. I'm so far when it comes to stuff. I'm not I'm not that good at it. She she rocks it. Just kind of like you said, keeping you grounded and keeping you 
you know, keeping you uh, in the moment as well. You know, we were at Pexum uh, this past year. You know, one thing that we don't address a lot in our industry is mental health, and they address it a lot. But what we did talk about, or what I brought up, other songs, and they appreciated, I think, was the uh, support system around people in our industry. Uh, you got to have a support system. Uh, I mean, unless it's just you. So, like, our families who really deal with a lot of what we do the most, right? You know, like our wives, our children, you know, they deal with us being gone. They deal with, you know, our, our crazy hours. They deal with, you know, so much that we have to deal with. You know, oh, I was supposed to be off today, but now I'm not. My wife is amazing. We talked about that family song. So I take her everywhere I can when it comes to this business. My daughters, I think they're they're catching on. They're getting into this thing. Well, they're understanding it better. They're understanding it more which I also think is important because in the United States, especially we don't talk about alcohol business amongst our kids, you know, and it's a, it's a huge industry. And for those that are successful, it's kind of like handed down from family, but we don't talk about it with our kids until they're what, 21 or at least out of high school. But my daughter's right there in high school, 15, 13, like they're understanding what dad does, right? They're seeing what I'm doing and they're looking at it like this is a possibility or that they're seeing that there's a career path. For me, I did not know this was a career path until I was in it, you know? And for some people coming up, especially the youth, I think it's important that they see it. So yeah, the whole family aspect of it, I think it's really important that we stress it in our industry a lot. You know, 20 years ago, you wouldn't have thought, hey, this is something I can do professionally. I can do this full time and and uh, earn a living. And um, I mean, that and that goes with, that goes with uh, a lot of those industries, even being a chef and, and uh, you know, a lot of the industries where it wasn't thought of to be something that you could, that could last, you know what I mean? No, absolutely not. I'm just, you know, thankful for the fact that uh, I was, I was, I happened to be in a good space. You know, I was blessed enough to work at some really reputable places with some really reputable chefs um and have great communities around me to support you know the wine programs that i was a part of and i think that i mean i'm just fortunate and blessed everybody doesn't have the experiences that i have in this business and i'm learning that the deeper i get into it obviously i don't have all the experiences that other people experience either but i see things from other folks especially in the especially in the marginalized groups right when you start talking about like black people in wine and women in the wine industry, you, I'm really starting to see a lot of things that I think that we need to shine a light on and that we are doing the work. I know for me and my friend, we're doing the work to make sure that people know and that they have access. Um, so it's, it's, it's crazy important that we have these kind of conversations, right? Uh, that people reach out across the board. And I think 2020 was a really big year and taking people from those personal invites to then being invited to their screens because that invited a lot more people into the conversation. I think I can't, I can't, yeah, I can't agree more with you because, and especially for, for your area, like down in the South and just the explosion of just the explosion of wine in general down in, down in the South. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you're talking about Texom as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is, it is an explosion down here. And, you know, it's, it's that whole thing, right? 
look at the big picture, right? So if you're like standing at a painting and you put your nose right on the painting, all you can see is what's right in front of you. But then when you step back, you get to see the whole picture. Like for us down here that are in the middle of it, we don't really see the explosion that other people are experiencing. And we didn't even realize it was the thing till a handful of us. So right now, I mean, yeah, I was, I did most of my work in Memphis, but right now I'm in Mississippi. And so a handful of us from Mississippi went to Texas earlier this year. I mean, some of us went back for the conference, but we were at the retreat earlier. And when we went, the most surprising thing, people were like knowing who we were. They were like, oh, Bobby, oh, Chuck, yo, what's going on? And they were knowing who we were. And half of these people, we were just like, we only see you on Instagram or we can only see you. We only have access to you through Psalm Foundation or whatever. And now we're sitting at the same table tasting and eating and, and having conversation but they knew what we were doing, how we were doing, and they were interested in what we had going on. That was the most jarring thing for me. I was like, wait a minute, are we, are we making waves? <laughs> like people know what we're doing. Here we are thinking that we're just yelling at, you know, mountains and hay bales, but people outside of us know what's going on. It's like, okay, cool. Well, let's keep going. I mean, I think that's also, that shows your good social media content as well, because your, your message is getting out there. Just as a segue, I love Bobby. Bobby Burgess is, is she's she's good people. Oh my god, she's amazing. She's amazing, no doubt about that. She's an inspiration, a great study buddy, an inspiration. Uh, and you know, I like to think that we're great cheerleaders for each other with what we're doing. Um, and she is a strong, strong advocate for mental health and just uh, representation and letting people know that there's more to it. And of course, we're both representing for the South in Mississippi. So we're putting on big, we're doing our best to anyway. And that's a good point is, is, is like, again, with her, with her content that she puts out that, and I mean, I, I say content because that's what I get to see, but I mean, obviously if people are in person uh, being able to hang out with her and, and being down in Mississippi, obviously you're, you're, you're getting the, you're getting the in-person um, experience. But um, you know the the what she the message she's promoting is definitely being uh, being shown loud and loud and clear. Um, and and I, again, it's very necessary. And I think that we talk a lot about social media content as a way of you know people you know getting the information or what we're doing and people knowing about what we do. Um, I I gotta say that the social media content, and I won't say for me. I'll speak. I'll say this about Bobby because she she's a a rock star for it. That's the tip of the iceberg. I mean, the girl is wicked smart, man. Like, mm -hmm. wicked smart. She's a person that, like, when I have challenges with studying, I'll call her and be like, hey, Bobby, help me out with this. And she hits me with the answer either right away or she does the quick research. But most of the time, it's right away because she's got great recall. Uh, she's an awesome blind taste, a great palate. She's doing a great thing. But I'm saying this to the point that, you know, for what we're doing as far as social media content goes, that's like – that's the surface level because I think for us down here, we feel like we have to get these certifications just to get, you know, credibility. People will negate us at every turn because it's like y'all are in the South. You don't know. And then there's the other side of it that a lot of people in the industry haven't wanted to admit, but it was like, you know, well, black people don't want to drink this or women aren't this and this involved in wine. This is a man's game. And it's like, wait a minute, we're out here doing it. And we have to do these things to show ourselves credible. So all the study, all the work, 
it ain't just because, you know, we just want people to know. Well, we do want people to know, but it's because we have to. If we're not doing that part, then no one's going to pay attention or take our social media content very seriously. It'll literally just be, you know, clickbait. Oh, and I definitely, I definitely think if you don't have that credential, especially like you said, especially being in the South, like you, you could, you could fake it. If you're in LA or you're in New York or, or somewhere else, you know, you can fake it uh, a lot easier because you're in the scene and, and, you know, people may know who you are because you're always there and that kind of thing. But for sure, if you're down in the South, you need that, um, you need the education to back it up because you need to be able to know what you're talking about uh, for someone, to, like you said, for someone to take it seriously. hundred percent. And you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm thankful for the mind that God gave me and I'm thankful for the support group that we have down here. You know, my family and our study group and uh, just the, the Mississippi and Memphis, Tennessee, the wine community down here, it's something to talk about. And I'm, and I'm talking about the whole South, you know, you get into Alabama, they're doing big things there. Georgia's doing amazing things. Uh, Texas obviously is killing it. You know, we, um, I met some songs from Oklahoma city, you know, pretty recently. And I was like, y'all are rocking it, man. One time for the South. So y'all look out for the South. We're coming up. <laughs> We're swirling all over the South. That's awesome. Um, oh, yeah. And I know I noticed you got a project going on as well with the the Southern Psalm Collective that you have as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's a new burgeoning thing that I'm doing now. Um, this is my way of um, paying it forward, or just you know, I guess paying it laterally. Because I mean, I'm in the middle of this too. We talked about you know marginalization and representation down here in the South as far as the wine world and wine industry goes. 2020 saw. Uh, this great racial reckoning in the United States. Uh, and, you know, it shook the world, I believe. And people started paying attention all over. And what we saw was people wanting to be accountable. And we have to understand, well, I had to understand, and I, I will say for the Black community to understand, you know, we saw a lot of people taken to the streets. I'm a family man. It does not make sense for me to take to the streets in anger, frustration, or whatever the case is. And we have to realize where our fight is, because I think that all of us as citizens are accountable to some extent. So where is your fight? Where's your contribution? What I did see was an abundance of people in the wine industry, um, sort of these pop-up foundations, right? You know, let us help and amplify voices. And I was like, cool. And a lot of us down here have been privy to some of that, right? Um, I like to think that you know, some of the benefit we received was because of our merit, because it's we're credible for it. Um, but I also understand that a lot of people are making effort to invite women and minorities into the conversation and into these industries and to the table. So I realized that my contribution here was to be able to help others. And we all kind of walk into this thing together and holding hands, kind of like that picture that you see with Dr. King and John Lewis and all those folks there walking across that Selma Bridge, right? We're walking in one row holding hands to do this thing. So the Southern Song Collective is actually an initiative to bring people um, that are enthusiasts, that are aspiring professionals, that are current professionals, veteran professionals, to the same table, right? So we do this through events. We do this through uh, Zoom classes, right? So the same seminars and webinars that we would hold for our staff for the same study sessions we will hold amongst our peers, we then invite just the enthusiasts into the same, you know, uh, 
setting, whether it be a Zoom or whether it be a live study session. But what that does is it broadens our culture. It raises more awareness about what we're doing in the wine world, but it also makes more educated consumers out of the enthusiasts and your guests. So now your table isn't just hearing your 30 second or two minute spiel about what wine to order, but they're sitting in a 45 minute to an hour seminar, maybe tasting, hearing some inside thought as to how the wine is the way it is and the theory behind it, some history behind it. And then it piques their interest even more and lets people go down this rabbit hole. I think if we have more educated consumers, then we have a stronger consumer market. And also this does another thing for those that say that they wanna get into wine, but they just can't figure out the avenue. I think a lot of times our business has been so exclusive uh, as if to say, you know, before these last couple of years, you wanted to go to a tasting session, you had to travel or you had to buy a ticket that was crazy expensive, maybe get your job to sponsor you. Well, I think the world has changed where there's much more access. And since there is more access, let's also invite people to those Zoom links and to those email conversations because they weren't always getting them before. And now we have an opportunity to give them to them. And the more credible I become, the more certifications I get, the more fold that I come into the community, the more I'm just going to turn that around and give it to the people that say, hey, Chuck, I want to know more about wine. Cool. This is what I just learned. And I'm literally taking stuff from one Zoom writing the notes, expanding the notes on some more study and, you know, dishing that back out to somebody else who's interested. And our collective, the foundation is really to help that effort, you know, the fundraising to throw some events, the fundraising to um, get some people some scholarships, right? Everybody doesn't have money for these certifications. And there's some people in restaurants, like in our restaurant, I'm a manager, right? So they'll cover my exams, but they may not cover the hourly employees exams so be a part of the foundation and let's help you get to where you want to get to so then you can move into that space so just another avenue to help people out in this wine industry and expand our market in the south it's necessary and the reason it's the south not just because of uh, location but there is a concentration of minorities of the american population in the american south so if we start here then what we're automatically going to do is push forth a lot of us into the industry based on their merit, based on their credibility, and not just because they're black, right? This isn't, this isn't exclusive to minorities and women. This is whoever is available to do this and wants to do the work. Obviously, there's work involved. So we're going to help you with that work. Bring it to the table. Let's talk about it. Was there someone for you when you started into wine that kind of thinking in the same in the same line was there someone for, for you back in the day that was like a mentor that you looked up to there's not like you said there's not a lot of of black wine professionals and was there someone that for you that you looked up to that at the start yeah um uh so it's it's a little funny so this kind of covers a couple of things it's kind of how i started into wine right i was um a hospitality guy. I was a bar manager. I happened into this because the general manager at the restaurant I was working at, he fired the assistant general manager on his way out. And I was the bar manager. So then it was like, okay, Chuck, you're next in line to run the whole front of house. And I really didn't understand the position. I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I could run the restaurant, but I wasn't, I wasn't the wine buyer, right? I didn't know that aspect of it. Um, so I learned kind of on the fly how to have the conversations with reps and there was a guy who worked there he was a 
he was a psalm or he had certified with the court, but he wasn't, you know, acting as a floor psalm. He was just serving tables. And he just was like, look, dude, I'm going to tell you everything I know, but you got to learn this stuff. He wasn't exactly nice about this. He, he wasn't, he was really upset because I was buying like crap. <laughs> you know, I didn't know what I was doing, but he was kind of like, look, dude, you got to do this. You got to do that. Well, he told me, is that you got to watch this documentary called Psalm. Maybe that'll help you out. Because I think he was just tired of trying to school me and I wasn't taken to it like he wanted me to. So I watched this documentary called Psalm and I knew what a sommelier was. Um, and I'm sure that this job isn't for me. That's, that's, not the, that's not the sector of the hospitality industry that I need to be in. And largely it was because I was like, no black people do this. We don't do this. It's not our game. And that was just a little bit of a, a closed-minded way of thinking. But when I watched the documentary, of course, I saw D. Lynn. And at that point, I was like, wait a minute. So we are in this game. So that's why I think representation matters. Because at that point, after I watched the documentary, then, you know, of course, I took to the Internet and I started trying to find him. I'm watching everything else. So I was kind of following D. Lynn a little bit. And once I started following D. Lynn, I started to see that there were more people that looked like me that were doing this business, that were doing this game, that were psalms, that were out there educating themselves and that were, you know, earning the prestige level that this industry holds. Um, and that's when I came across Andre Mack, who I think was, that was the first person that I was like, I'm going to catch up to Andre Mack because I'm, I'm really wanting to learn, you know, what he was. He was the most intriguing personality in the wine industry. And I was fortunate enough to host a dinner and Andre Mack was there in presence and we served a bunch of his wines. It was the, uh, the biggest dinner that I did at Table 100, which is a restaurant that I was uh, running that beverage program here in the Jackson metro area. So Andre Mack came down and uh, from there he connected me with a handful of other people. And um, yeah, and then from there, it, it just kind of like, it went, it went crazy, man. Julia Coney has been one of the biggest supporters of me and what I'm doing and my efforts and giving me information and just being a big sister through the whole thing, man. She's a rock star. So I would say if I had to pick three that I know that I've looked at, and I mean, I've spoken with D-Lynn through, you know, emails and chats and such. So D-Lynn, Andre Mack and Julia Coney, uh, I would call them, you know, distant mentors. Julia closer than anybody. We, we've come across each other more than once or twice. So those three I would consider to be mentors in mine. And there's a handful of others as far as people of color go. But I don't want to just limit this to people of color because there's some people that are just amazing. I made acquaintance with Eric Railsback, who has been awesome and letting me in on things. And I ran a stage at Verve with him in Chicago, and it was great. Yeah, he's a legend for sure. Yeah, man, he's a, he's a rock star, man. And, you know, I drank some unicorn wines with him, and he had me up, and we did a dinner with Robert Bohr, uh Grand Cru dinner, which was amazing. Um, Philippe Andre, who's been, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Philippe's been just a madman. He's been great with me. There's just a handful of people, man, and I've been blessed to come in contact with them. James Tidwell, I, that list could go on and on in, and I'm just blessed. Yeah, I've had the I've had the chance to chat with a few few folks from the the Psalm films, and uh, uh, unfortunately, D. Lynn, I've I've been chasing him, um, but it's, the timing's never worked out uh, with him. So uh, he's still someone I need to I need to catch up with. But um, obviously, I've talked to a lot of the other guys in, in the films as well, and uh, having him in that film, like you said, having him in the film and having that presence and and 
for someone like yourself to, to look at and go, oh, yeah, okay. You know, there's someone like me that's out there that's, that's kicking ass, right? I, I actually wanted to segue for a second. I was just thinking about the increase of wine in like guys like LeBron and Dwayne and all these guys that have kind of gotten into wine in the last little while. I just want, I was just curious in your thoughts on that. Uh, I think it's awesome. I think it's amazing. And I think it's great. Um, this is why. I think what he's doing is it's opening the door for more people to uh, find interest in this thing. Um, look, everybody has their intro wine, right? The one wine that they had for the first time ever that let them know that there's this whole industry out here. Well, I think that what the NBA players that are getting involved in this, I think what they're doing is they're exposing people to better wines than a lot of us got exposed to when we first got into this game, right? I talked to so many people that are my age, in my 30s and their 40s, that are like, oh, yeah, my first wine that I had was Mad Dog 2020, right? And I'm like, okay, I get it. And some people are like, oh, well, my first wine. It's always something that's – like my first wine was Sutter Home. And it was literally because – Sutter Home White's in. I was literally because I was sneaking sips of it from my friend's mom who used to drink White's in with her Virginia Slims, right? And so that's what it was. But that was our intro wines. But now these NBA players are letting people in to drinking some amazing wines. And so I hear people say, oh, yeah, my first wine was like Buff the Coe. My first wine was Camus. My first wine was Cade. My first wine was some, you know, Grand Cru. I, I heard a kid say that his first wine was Screaming Eagle. And I was like, are you serious? Like, how is that your first wine? Who are you around, you know? But um, I think what it is, is these, these people are learning from people that have got crazy access. And again, representation matters because if we never saw it, we will never know it. So I think it's awesome. I'll say this, um, you know, the question has been asked to me, right? If I could share a bottle with any one person, LeBron James at the top of my list, because one, I think that for what we see in his philanthropy and who he is as a person off the court, I think that that's commendable. I think it's admirable. Um, but secondly, I want to know more about his wine taste, right? We know LeBron James is drinking wine, and I'm sure somebody's read the article on what he likes to drink. I like to sit down and drink with him. Like, yo, what are you really drinking, right? Like, I know what D-Wade's drinking. We, he's probably drinking his own stuff. He's drinking some Palmer juice, right? Um, and we've done a lot of work here in Mississippi just to make sure that we can even get weight sellers in the state. Because for a long time, I mean, I, I think I fought with brokers, not fought with them, but I did some pressuring on brokers to get that wine here for the better part of a year. And we just got it in maybe Q4 21. So uh, we're working on it. And I think it's awesome what they're doing. And I can't wait for somebody to make their way down here. I, that's, that's also my thing, right? I want to do as much as I can to get these personalities, these winemakers to come down here to Mississippi to see what we're doing. Because that's, I think once you shine a light on it, then it get, really gets the rest of the country involved and we can really get more access. That's, that's what we're looking for, man. We just want more access. We want to be invited to the party. That's all. I'll, I'll give you one name of someone you should have down there, and it's, it's a person that I want to drink with as well, and that's Raj Parr. Oh, man. If Raj Parr comes, um, Ian, you better believe I'm going to email you like, homie, <laughs> he's here. I'll be, like, I'll be on the next plane. <laughs> Like he's coming on me. Yeah, no doubt. Look, um, I thought we were really close because Eric came down here and I thought we might have got close. <laughs> so we we we'll just keep we'll keep pushing the buttons, man. We'll see what we can do. Yeah, you you email me, let me know, and then I'll I'll be down there in a heartbeat.
Yeah, absolutely, man. I'll let you know. We'll we'll set it up, man. <laughs> we'll yeah. set it up. His his blind tasting skills would be for me, I would just I would just love to and I mean obviously I've chatted with him. I've chatted with him and, and we've you know, we've messaged to here and there and I had him on my podcast, but to to sit and and have some share a glass with him, right? And that's and that's the other thing is just to be able to do that in person is 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 the key. You know, that that is that's a major key too. Look, um when when, when Andre came and we were sitting at table 100. First thing, I, I got to say, big hats off to Val Spellman. She works at International Wines, and she's been big in the wine industry here in Mississippi especially. Man, she knew where my heart was. She knew where my mind was. She knew what I wanted to do. And she knew that I had been, you know, looking to get a dinner with all of Andre's wines. And she and her company got him to come down. And he came. And a lot of times he's a winemaker will come and they'll just do your dinner. He came, not only did he do the dinner, like he came early, we had lunch together and we just like hung out. Then, you know, we did the dinner and we killed the dinner. And then after he was like, let's drink a bottle. It was like we spent, I spent the day with Andre Mack, you know, in Mississippi at Table 100, drinking good wine, eating good food. And just just learning from him and hearing his message and what he had to say, that was a major, major piece right there. I think that as far as where I am going in this business, uh, that was an that was a that was an incredible experience to be a part of. I don't know many people that have had that, uh, but look, hey, um, he turned right around and went up to hang out with Bobby like the next day. So you know, Andre Mack definitely came down to Mississippi and showed some real love. And that was that's cool. Major. Yeah, that nice. That's very cool. I think uh, I think I'm gonna leave it there, uh, Chuck. I appreciate I appreciate the time. Hey, look, I appreciate you, and thank you for calling, man. We'll stay in touch, brother. If Raj comes down, we'll catch up. That would be amazing. <laughs> All right, brother. Y'all be good now. I think we're gonna leave it there for now. Thanks for listening. For more wine conversation and podcast updates, you can follow us on Instagram at Ian's Wine Truths. Check out our website for great photos of our guests. Friendsofthevine.podbean.com Take care. Have a glass for me. Is it a video podcast or it's, it's audio, but I might okay. I might try and put a little video uh, blurb. video. Do you do like a little soundbite video type Yeah. Thing? Yeah. So well, it's a bummer I wasn't naked. <laughs> I sh- we should have thought of that before. Should have thought of that. <laughs>